before we baptize, we want to bring God's Word tonight. And we want to bring God's Word especially to let people know, why do we baptize? Why do we baptize by full immersion in water? And we're going to go through some scriptures. This is not exhaustive because there's so much more we could bring out on this. But if you have your Bible with you, will you turn with me, please, to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, please. And let your eye run down. Acts chapter 8, beginning to read. Verse 26. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot read Isaiah, or Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit saith unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the word, the, pardon me, heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest, Thou what thou readest. And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? for his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet of this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to, go, to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Here we have a Ethiopian eunuch going through the desert, the wilderness, and as he's going through, He's reading the Old Testament, the Scriptures there, and the New Testament are unfolding and being written. So the Scriptures he has is the Old Testament Scriptures, and this eunuch is reading but not understanding. Do you know, friend, there's times that you could read the Bible and you'll not understand whom the Bible is speaking about. Many people will grab the Bible for a good luck charm. Sometimes it's just to ease their conscience for something. 
But the Bible is neither a good luck charm nor to ease a conscience, nor even is it to do with anything that is religious or ceremonial. This is the living Word of God. It's the living Word of the living God. And this living Word, through the unction of the Spirit, was written. And because of that, when the Holy Ghost enlightens upon a man and a woman and quickens their heart to enable them to see one, first of all, they're a sinner before Almighty God. Didn't say, first of all, you're in a certain religion. God isn't interested in your religion. God isn't interested in your denomination. God is interested to see if you're even here in Elam tonight. God isn't interested in those things. What he is interested in is his own son. He is interested in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one whom he gave that you and I may be saved, forgiven of our sins. And so this Ethiopian eunuch is going through the wilderness or the desert. And as he's reading the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, he doesn't understand what he is reading. Suddenly Philip, the evangelist, as he's known, comes alongside. He's told by the Lord to draw near to this chariot. And as he draws near, he asks the Ethiopian eunuch a question. And this was the question, do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? In other words, we could actually say many times to people, do you understand this thing about salvation? Do you understand where and in whom alone salvation is for man and woman? For salvation isn't found in a creed. Salvation isn't found in a dogma. Salvation isn't found in a denomination. It isn't found in ceremony, and it isn't found in ritual. Salvation isn't found on who you are or what you can become. Salvation is not found in nationality. Salvation isn't found in you being good in personality. Salvation isn't found in alms or deeds or good works or offerings. Salvation is found in one place alone, in one person alone, and that is in the Lord Jesus Christ, God's one and only, His only begotten Son. And so the Spirit of God will always, His chief office is to exalt. His chief office, the Spirit of God's chief office is to exalt, to glorify, and to reveal unto the sinner the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Philip comes and he says, do you understand what you're reading? And this man says, I can't understand unless someone shows me. Well, Philip, knowing that he's been saved by sovereign grace, Philip, knowing that he's had this marvelous encounter by faith at the cross of Calvary, Philip, knowing he's been sent and called by the Holy Spirit, he says, let me tell you the Scriptures. And so he opens up where the Ethiopian eunuch has been reading, and he finds whom he finds the Lord Jesus. See, people think that Jesus is only Jesus from Matthew's gospel when we open up our New Testament. Oh, well, here he is, and we'll read that that lovely narrative of him coming to Bethlehem as a baby. No, no. You see, Jesus was always in eternity past. Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the Word eternal. Jesus is even in the book of Isaiah before where the Ethiopian eunuch had read. In other words, 
He's reading Isaiah 53, the prophet Isaiah, and where we would call chapter 53. But he's also then passed by Isaiah chapters 1 to 53. And he would have read Isaiah chapter 6. And in Isaiah chapter 6, he would have found the Lord Jesus Christ. For he would have read that the Isaiah the prophet said, in the year that King Uzziah died, that's the king in Judah, the king in Judah died, called you, king in Judah died, and Isaiah the prophet writes about this. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also Yahweh, or the Lord, sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And then he goes on to say that there were seraphims having six wings. He says, with twain or with two, he covered his face. And with twain or two, he covered his feet. And with two, he did fly. And one cried unto another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And see, Philip has known this now. And he has seen this one become flesh. He says, Christ on the throne in glory. But by Isaiah 53, after Isaiah 6, we see Christ upon the cross. Do you know there's as much glory on Christ on his throne and there is as much glory as Christ on his cross? I hear people say, well, you know, maybe Christ on the cross, it was some sort of mishap. It was some sort of accident. It was some sort of afterthought that Christ dying on the cross for you and for me and for our sin. As that many people have said, it's even been said by people of popular position that it was It was a failure that Christ died on the cross. Listen, friend, Christ dying on the cross was no failure. It was a victory. It was a victory for you, and it was a victory for me. And he paid it all. He took your sin, and he took mine in his own body on the tree that you and I might be saved. Philip had experienced this, and he had passed by Isaiah chapter 6. He had passed right past it. Now he's at Isaiah 53. I know there was no chapters then, but uh, just bear with me for, for modern talk. And, and he had a, Isaiah 53 says, do you know what you're reading? Can you understand it? He says, well, somebody show me. So he climbs up into his chariot and he starts preaching Jesus. He starts preaching Jesus. He didn't say, I'm going to preach temple to you. He didn't say, I'm going to preach animal sacrifice to you. He didn't say, I'm going to preach good works to you. Listen to what he preached. He preached Jesus to him. He told him of Christ. You see, outside of Christ, there is none other, and there is none else. Even as the apostle Peter said in Acts chapter uh, 4 and verse 12, he says, neither is there salvation in any other. Notice the exclusivity of Christ. You see, it's not Christ plus not Christ plus works, not Christ plus arms, not Christ plus deeds. It's not Christ plus who you are, what you can become, or what you can add to it. No, it's not Christ plus Mary, and it's not Christ plus an apostle. It's Christ plus nothing but Christ and Christ alone. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Or as the original text says, there is no second name whereby we must be saved. Friend, if you're not saved tonight, I have to ask you a question. I'm glad to see you tonight. I'm glad to see this place thronging with people. But I have something to ask you. Are you saved? Are you saved? Have you come to Calvary's cross by faith and seen the shed blood of the Lamb for you? Jesus paying your debt. Now listen. 
Now listen, if God holds the blood of Jesus and his death in such high esteem, for this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, he says, and he watches him bleed and die. And if Christ is held in such high esteem by the Father, then what could we ever offer? What could we ever give in exchange for our own soul and for exchange for our own sin? But no, nothing we could offer but come by the way of the cross through the precious shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. Oh, brothers and sisters, you and I need to understand and realize afresh, maybe, and the power of the blood, the power of the sacrifice of Christ and what he has accomplished for us. There's no one like the Lord. He is altogether lovely. He's the lily of the valley we were singing. Yes, he's that and he's so much more, our precious Savior. So he gets up, he tells him, shows him Christ in the scriptures. He preaches Jesus unto him. And this Ethiopian eunuch realizes now, he says, this is whom I need. See, the Holy Ghost shows you your need of Christ. And the Holy Ghost, he tells Philip to go. And because of his, uh, because of his calling, and he sent forth, the Holy Ghost says, now you need to go to this man. See, the Holy Ghost had his eye on the Ethiopian eunuch, even when the Ethiopian eunuch didn't realize that the Holy Ghost had his eye on him. Do you know you, before you were saved, the Holy Ghost had his eye on you? He had you within his sights to come and speak to you and to quicken you, to come and stir your heart that you would see your need of Christ. Oh, I pray this evening that someone here would say, I, I know I see my need of Christ, uh, that I realize that God knew I was coming here tonight, that this is not by accident. Well, someone invited me. Well, maybe so. But nevertheless, it's the Holy Ghost has brought you. It's the Spirit of God has you sitting in the meeting. Oh, someone coerced me and they coaxed me into it. Yeah, they may have done that. But any other time you would have said no. But the Holy Ghost has said yes and he wanted you here. He has his eye on you. And he wants you to be saved and he'll show you his lovely son, the son of God. He shows you Christ in your need of him. Notice this. We're told that the Ethiopian eunuch says in verse 38, Acts 8 and verse 38, and he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water. Now notice this, they went down both. They went down both into the water. Both of them went down into the water. He wasn't sprinkling someone here. They went down both of them into the water. Both Philip and the eunuch and he baptized him. And he baptized him. Verse 39 says this. And when they were come up out of the water, he goes right down into the water, baptizes him. And now they come up out of the water, both of them. The Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. You can see here what baptism is. The word baptism is from the word baptizo or baptizo. And it means to immerse or to plunge. To immerse or to plunge. Listen, sprinkling or pouring was allowed for sick people who couldn't make it to a pool of water. But when they were able to make it to a place like you have tonight, when they were able to come to a body of water, there they went into it. In fact, the choice of sprinkling or immersion was unknown until Pope Clement V introduced sprinkling or immersion as a matter of indifference at the Council of Ravenna in 1311 AD. The early church didn't sprinkle. 
the early church immersed. They plunged into the water. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12, we're told that when we're buried with him in water, in other words, when the water closes over, that is a grave, it represents a grave that our candidates for baptism tonight, that it represents a grave. You're dying, as it were, to self. Colossians 2 and 12 says, We're buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Now, this is important because when you're buried in baptism and the waters close over, when you're raised again, it's the operation of God you're doing this. This is off God. The operation of God, the mighty working power of God inside the heart of a man and a woman who have been saved by grace. In other words, you're saying, I'm saved. God has changed my heart. God has quickened my spirit. I am now found in Christ, and I must die that he might live through me. This is the obedience of water baptism. It is the operation of God in the life, the manifestation of it. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward work. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward work. You know, when we are marrying people and a man and a woman come to be married and they bring their families, they're being married before God and before man. They're actually making their vows before God, but they're also showing that they're being married as witnesses of the baptism. Or pardon me, the, the, the marriage, and so is the baptism. They're witnessing tonight to you that I am going on with God, that I'm going on to follow Christ, that I'm not going to have my way in my life, but rather Christ liveth in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when they go into the water and they're raised up again, they're saying, now it is a witness to all of you people and all who would see it and hear it, go out and tell far and near that I belong to Christ and I have been found in him, buried with him in baptism and raised up in faith to go on with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So some quick points as we close this little thought. First of all, why get baptized? Why get baptized? Well, simple answer is you are following the master's example. If it's good enough for Jesus, friend, it's good enough for you. You are following the master's example. Remember, he came down that day to the River Jordan, and John says, I need, I need to be baptized of you, and you're asking me to baptize you? This can't be right. And Jesus says, suffer it to be so now, for we must fulfill all righteousness. In other words, Jesus is saying, this is the righteousness of God. I'm going to be submerged in water like a man or a woman. A man or a woman who are even a sinner. Who, again, to show you by grace. He says, I'm coming to stoop down to every level. But I'm being raised again to show you that there's life in me. You see, if it's good enough for Christ, it's good enough for you. And it's good enough for me then. We're told in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 15, Jesus answered John and said to him, Suffer to be so nigh, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. So why? Be baptized because you're following the master's example. Secondly, why be baptized in water? Because you are obeying the master's command. You're obeying the master's command. Matthew 28 and verse 19, Jesus said, after being risen from the dead, 
after going to, as he went up into glory, Matthew 28 and verse 19, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So here he tells us, he commands us to go out and baptizing people, teaching them, teaching them of Christ. That's what you're hearing tonight. You're hearing baptismal teaching. You're hearing about the cross of Calvary. You're hearing about this Ethiopian eunuch. You're hearing about salvation. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Thirdly, you're coming under the teaching of the apostles and the revelation of the Spirit. After the day of Pentecost, baptism by full immersion continued on. The day of Pentecost, Peter himself, he preaches and we're told 3,000 were added to the church uh, uh, that day, uh, such as should be saved. And we're told that people wanted to know, what do we do next? For any of you, have you just been saved recently? I know one or two haven't been saved too long and they're being baptized this evening. In fact, one of them came to my house and he's, he got saved in my kitchen just this week. And so he says here, he tells us here in this, pardon me, Peter says, repent. If there's no repentance, we can't get baptized. You see, repentance isn't a bad word. Repentance is a word that you're turning from your sin and turning to God. It's a change of mind and a change of heart where you're going on to follow Christ. And repentance is of the absolute most necessity for a man and a woman to be forgiven off their sins and to be saved. You can't be saved unless you've repented of your sin, friend. You know, walking up an aisle, and, and I, I, I was saved in, a, in an altar call. I'm saying nothing against it. I was saved in one. But an altar call, a walking up an aisle, a hand in the air, saying a little prayer, and getting on with your own life is not salvation. Salvation is the Word of God entering the heart. It's the Spirit quickening to see Christ and you accepting what He has done only, solely, and totally, and saying He's enough for me. He's more than enough and trusting in the precious blood of Jesus. So here we have Peter saying, repent and be baptized. Not only one or two of you. He didn't even say the kids can't get baptized. He didn't say it's only for adults. He didn't say it's for the older people. He didn't say it's just for the men, ladies. He didn't say it was just for the ladies, gentlemen. No, he says, every one of you, everyone who has repented, everyone who has claimed Christ as Savior, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Notice this, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit, you're opening yourself to the Holy Ghost also. And then, of course, we have the apostles where they baptized many times through the Scriptures. Time has eluded me that I can't go on with many more. I'll give you some Scriptures. You can look them up when you go down, if you're writing them down. Acts chapter 8, verses 12 to 17. The Apostle Paul tells of his baptism. Also, you'll find it in Acts chapter 9 and verse 18, Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. Saying how he was baptized being in Straight Street and Ananias was sent and, and he was sent to there and he, he, he talked to him about Christ. Notice this isn't being baptized into a denomination. You're not being baptized into Edom tonight. You're not being baptized in the name of Ken Davidson tonight. Dear, help you if you are. You're being baptized into Christ. The body of Christ. You're into Christ, but you're being baptized in his name. And so we understand that 
we are being baptized to go further on with God. Peter baptizes uh, the Roman centurion and the Gentiles there, and he baptizes them in Acts 10, verses 44 to 48. You can look up Acts 11 and 16. Paul at Ephesus, Acts 19 and verse 5. So why get baptized? Because you're following the Master's example. Why get baptized? Secondly, because you're obeying the Master's command. Why get baptized? Thirdly, because you're coming under revealed teaching and authority of the apostles. Why get baptized? Because you're opening yourself up for the operation of God. You're opening yourself up for the operation of the Holy Ghost in your life to go on with Him. And fifthly, you're identifying yourself with Christ. And you're testifying to the world of sin that you have an inward work going on of the Spirit. As we close this, we look at what the Ethiopian eunuch was reading. Let's turn to Isaiah 53, please. Isaiah 53, just for a few verses. And this we close, and we will be putting the candidates through very soon. Isaiah 53. Let's just go from verse 4, for time is away. Surely he, this Ethiopian eunuch is reading this. He's already read Isaiah 6 in our Bible, in the scroll. He sees him on a throne. He sees him in glory. He sees him worshipped and adored by the seraphim. They can't even allow their faces to look at him, so they cover their faces with two wings. They cover their, their feet with two. See if uh, he would look at them, and, and it's symbolic that, Lord, don't look at my ways, where my feet have taken me. And with two, they did fly, meaning we're ready to serve. We're ready to go with your command. And Christ is in the middle of them now. We see him in the middle of a jeering mob. We see him in the middle of two crosses, of two thieves, casting insults in his teeth. He's battered, he's bruised, and he's broken. And this is what this Ethiopian eunuch was reading, and he could not understand a friend. If there's anything you can understand tonight, please understand this. This was written around seven to 750 years before it happened at Calvary. Spirit of God spoke it out through the prophet. And now the Ethiopian eunuch sees it and is able to have it explained to him by Philip because Christ had died, went to the grave, and had risen again. Verse 4, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord, the Father, hath led in the Son. The Lord hath led in him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. This is where the Ethiopian eunuch was when Philip came. Yet he opened not his mouth. He has brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He is taken from prison and from judgment. And who, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. 
for he shall bear their iniquities. I can say, according to the prophet Isaiah, he has justified many. He has justified the many who have been found in Christ. And if you're in Christ tonight, you're already justified before God through the blood of the Lamb. You're justified by the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so you're one of the many. And I trust if you're not saved, you'd become one of the many. He shall justify many. And I have something to tell you, friend. If you don't come to Christ, he's not going to be disappointed in that day when he gathers in his own. If you're not there, he's not going to be disappointed, for he shall see the travail of his soul, and he shall be satisfied. He will be satisfied, but he wants you to be there. If you're not saved, please see someone. This baptismal service will go on. We'll carry it on this evening, but when we carry it on, may the Holy Spirit continue to to feed you the Word of God. May He continue to speak to your heart. May you come to Christ and be saved. Friend, listen, for there alone you'll find salvation in Him. Thank you for listening to God's Word and for your attention this evening.